Okay, good morning, everybody. This is Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. Eastern Mindset Mental Toughness call. Do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we take this call and we load it on a podcast platform. Matter of fact, 16 different or some amount, 16, I think, um, uh, of, of different podcast platforms from iTunes to uh, to Breaker to Spotify to, I mean, Apple. It's a bunch of different platforms. If you go out and put Tony Fleming in, uh, Mindset of Mental Toughness, just put that in and it'll come up and you can listen to. We got a ton of uh, these calls loaded on the podcast platform. So you say, why you do that? Because it's not really a podcast. Well, the reason we do that is because it's easy access to get back to and listen to again. Because this call is a is is kind of it's a teaching call. It's not just a it's not a motivational. It, could, it can be. It's not inspirational. It can be. It could be a number of things, but mainly it's to teach you uh, certain things about uh, your thoughts, about your paradigm, so we can make a paradigm shift. Uh, because most of us grew up in a a middle class or poor or kind of humble neighborhood, and so the thoughts that we have now, uh, you know, came from that time. Even though we've moved on in life, even though we, you know, got a degree, maybe went to the army, maybe have a good job, new clothes, new house, new car, all those things, and we feel like, you know, we've done it. But there's some things that are still lingering within us uh, from those early years where we heard things that the most fertile time in our life where we were programmed from the wound to age seven, eight, nine, that are still instilled in us because, you know, those things, are, they lock in early. It's the best time to feed your mind because, well, for certain people it's the best time because it's a clean slate. And so we don't realize that we're still carrying some of those thoughts and we're trying to, you know, uh, go further in life financially and those things are holding us back. So the goal is for us to to acknowledge it first, that we have those thoughts, we have those things going in, inside of us. But because, you know, once we, the things that we read, the things that we talk about kind of bring it up. Now is our, is our decision to make, should we do away with those thoughts, add some new thoughts, or just let it linger? Uh, because, you know, it's there. It's not going anywhere until we address it and do it and talk about it. And so that's what we do on this call, that's what we do on the mindset, the mental toughness, um, and we do, you know, different things. We talk about different subjects, anywhere from, you know, mental toughness to um, affirmations to success to failure. We talk about different books. Anything uh, that can affect the, the daily routine of your business or your relationships or your job, that's what we talk about now, and anybody can listen in. You can share this with anybody. It's not just about a particular uh, business or particular company. It's a thought process that we all need to to look at and see where we are in our life and ser- seriously look at it. And so uh, that's what we're doing now. Uh, that's what we are. We've been doing for quite a while. Um, and preacher man says this is church for me for him. So this is church for some people. Church, 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 church. So today in my sermon, <laughs> my message to you all came from the bookshelf, from the bookshelf of Tony Fleming. So I walked over to my bookshelf when I came in this morning. When I woke up, had a had a great night's sleep, about four and a half hours. I'm telling you, that's all I need, really. 
I know some of y'all saying, no, you need much more than that. No, because I, if I get four and a half of just straight sleep, man, because I could actually go early and toss and turn all night and then, you know, finally get a little bit of sleep. But four and a half of some great sleep, man, you can tell I'm good to go. I am good to go. So walked over to the bookshelf, grabbed the book off, you know, blindly grabbed it, opened it up to a certain page, and really to the things that I highlighted a lot. You know, some pages I kind of just highlight a lot, and I don't, I don't know what I'm about to read to you folks, but we're about to read and talk about it. We're about to read and discuss it. That's going to be our message this morning. I might tell you the book. Might not. I don't know. But the first thing I'm going to do for one minute and one second is... Spartan! Spartan! Let's go! What is your profession? Not long before you start winning. 
and in a big way. You should understand, however, that as you become increasingly involved in the risk-taking process, you will find yourself forced to draw upon the resources which you previously didn't even realize you possessed. You know, once you take that risk, you done jumped out there and you done, you know, you jumped off the cliff and you don't have a parachute or the parachute might work or, you know, something like that. Then you start thinking, and this is me too, this is not me reading, I'm just throwing this in. Then you start thinking of resources that you previously previously didn't even realize you possessed. He said, first, this may prove uh, very frightening to you. Nevertheless, you must always remember you will never hear of, read about, or see anyone who achieves anything of greatness in his or her own life without first taking some kind of risk. Man... You ever hear the story about Steve, Steve, uh, I was about to say Steve Harrington. <laughs> Make you weak at the knees. <laughs> Walking down the street, watching ladies go by watching you. <laughs> watching you. Now, I was thinking about Steve, uh, I can't believe I went clip, the comedian. Steve, uh, <laughs> come on, man. I'm, uh, man. I'm getting too young. Every day I get younger and younger and younger. Harvey, Steve Harvey. And Steve Harvey says, <clears throat> you got to jump, folks. You have to jump. You At some point, you're going to have to jump. Now, your jump might be different from other people's jump. Your jump, you know, might be not as riskier as somebody else, but you're going to have to jump. You say, what do you mean jump? You're going to have to do something that you wouldn't normally do and not see the outcome. See, when you're jumping, you don't really know the outcome, but you know you got to jump. you got to say, well, <clears throat> um. I don't know what's about to happen. All I know is I got to get from here. I got to I got to go. I can't plan it. I can't strategize it. I got to I got to you know, you know the story uh I used to tell all the time about the the three guys uh um that looked over the cliff and they looked down and they saw the promised land. It was beautiful down there. And they all said, man, that's it. They looked up to God. They said, God, is that it? Is that the promised land? And God said, yes, it is, my sons. Yes, it is. That is the promised land. Boy, they looked at each other and said, man, that's the promised land. We got to go. So one of them pulled back and pulled out a pen and a notebook, and he started strategizing how he's going to get down there. You know, if I go this way, I go that way. I'm a, I gotta, you know, I'll stop at this point, and I'll just, you know, then I'll be ready to go. So he's he's drawing out how he's gonna get down there. The other guy just starts walking down the side of the mountain. He's like, I, I'll just figure it out as I go. Shoot, I'm a. And the other, the other guy that's still standing up there, he's like, Lord, you sure? You you, you tell you being you, you being fair, right, Lord? You telling me the truth? That is the promised land. Yes, it is, my son. Yes, it is. <laughs> so that dude just bagged up and just jumped. <laughs> Geronimo! 
few bones. But he healed up later on. But he was there. I forgot to say, the first one there get the whole thing. <laughs> so <laughs> he he probably was on crutches and passed up for a while. But he was like, Geronimo. <laughs> he got there. See, 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 a lot of times when you take the risk, you're going to get damaged along the way, man. You're going to get... You're gonna get you're gonna get beat up. You know you're gonna it's gonna look ugly. You're gonna think this ain't right because it's a risk. It's like you don't really know. You think, but when you take a risk, you put money on the line, you put your time on the line, you put your name out there. You like, I'm taking a risk that maybe I see something nobody else sees. And I don't have time to wait to try to sell them on the concept. I don't have time to wait to try to. I just got to go. So you got a Geronimo. <laughs> you know that movie uh, with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids? I think that was it. When they both jumped off that, <laughs> that cliff. <laughs> like, hey, I got to go. See, that's the, that's the, the risk. You know, that's the, and the reward comes. Later, you know, it doesn't come right away. There's seasons to this thing, right? Planting and then harvesting. The risk is the planting. The harvesting will come a little later. But if you don't plant and take that risk, the ho- you'll get, you can get a harvest. You can, you know, I mean, you still can be, uh, successful in your eye and to a lot of people's eyes if you don't take the risk, if you just kind of consistently do things over and over and over and consistently, yeah. Yeah. But it won't be the same kind of reward of that person who took that risk. I mean, that real one that, you know, it was, it was, it was a feast of famine for that person. You know, it's, and and when they get their reward, it's going to be bigger than that of you. But guess, but guess what? Your reward still could be big. It still could be great. It's still if you just you know, inch by inch is a cinch. You know, if you did those things, it's, the whole key is being consistent every single day, and you can still get it. Now, everything I just said came from me, not from the book. Now I'm gonna pick back up. On the book here, I think. Let me see. Where am I? Okay. So now I got this heavily highlighted. This is this is in red, and it's got asterisk marks all around this paragraph. And it says, as a case in point, just consider the monumental risk which all our great religious leaders have, have undertaken during the course of their heroic lives. Then stop and reflect upon the enormous risk which all our great business leaders have also undertaken during the span of their illustrious careers. Finally, as you seriously meditate upon this stupendous accomplishments, you will become increasingly aware of the fact that you too, you too, not the group, not the rock band, you too, but you too must become a risk taker for you to develop the greatness you were born with. Moreover, 
you should understand that in truth, no genuine satisfaction in life can ever be attained by you or anyone else who simply refuse to take a risk. For the life of anyone who chooses to live with extreme caution will never amount to anything more than a succession of dull, uh, so, <laughs> what's this word? Y'all look this word up for me. <laughs> so horrific so days. Is it, I don't know if it's pronounced that way. S-O-P-O-R-I-F-I-C. Which probably means boring days, probably means average days. I'm assuming that was that's the word of the day, folks. Y'all take that word and use it in a statement on your social media page or use it somewhere. So horrific. So horrific. S-O-P-O-R-I-F-I-C. Now, you tell me if I'm saying it wrong, but somebody Google that and tell me what that means. But I'm thinking it means, you know, life, I mean, lifeless days, uh, average days, or, um, you know, something like that. Uh, you Google queens. I'm not getting any any answer to this. Um, let's see. It means tending to induce drowsiness or sleep. The motion of the train had a so, somewhat soporific effect. So, so if you choose to live in extreme caution, you will never amount to anything more than a succession of dull, soporific days, soporific days, which is drowsiness or sleepy days. Continuing on without any any interruption, so your days will be it won't be as exciting and fun and as the one who took the risk, but it will be you know, consistently you know long drowsiness type days. And some people, I guess, that would be good for you. Hmm. So now he says to help you grasp the full implication of what I'm saying. Consider the following analogy. I like the I like analogies. Y'all know that, right? So he says, just cast your mind back to the time when you were a child and attempt to recall the degree to which you admired the neighborhood kid. So think about the neighborhood kid you admired uh, growing up as a child. Okay, I can picture that person in my mind who went right up the ladder and dived off the high diving board without any hesitation whatsoever. Yeah, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, I remember now when I was in the Coast Guard, I went up the ladder. We had to dive. That was a part of the passing the swim test. You had to dive off the. the I never talked. I don't think I talked to y'all about this part because I remember I, he told me if y'all can remember the guy that was from Birmingham was there. He pulled me out of the pool because I was swallowing water and I probably was going, you know, fail the test. So he pulled me out. He said, "Man, you passed." You know, blah, blah, blah. He knew me, knew my nickname and all that. Guy had never, I mean, only only brother on the whole Coast Guard base at that time that was, you know, some kind of officer and happened to grow up in my neighborhood. Ain't that a, like, man. So so I did have to still, you know, get off the, jump off the diving board, which eventually, you know, I, I figured that was, dang, nothing. I can do that. 
I ain't no problem with that. Now, didn't realize how high it really was until <laughs> I got up there. <laughs> when I got up there and walked out, I'm like, oh, this is pretty high here, man. It's not. So we're supposed to jump off the diving board. And um, what else did we do? Once we jumped, we came up. And we did something. We tread water again. I can't remember uh, what exactly we did, but it was it was nothing compared to you know you know treading water for ten minutes or something. So so yeah, I remember seeing guys just walk up there and jump, walk up there and jump, walk up there and jump, and I got up there. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know about this, you know. What I'm saying? So as I, I when I walked up and I looked back. He was standing back there. You hear climb up the ladder with me, and he was standing back there like, uh, look, fool, this is what he was thinking. I done pulled you out of the water, saved you on that part of the test. You got to do this because if you don't do this, there's no sense in me doing that. So I walked out there and just jumped. So <laughs> it was, and, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Once you make that jump, once you do the things you're supposed to do, you know, it's. I think the worst part is just thinking about it. The worst part is thinking, should I invest this money in this whatever, this some kind of investment, this some kind of deal or or into your business, just stressed out over that. Like last night, I, can't, I, I thought of something. I said, I'm going to do this particular thing I said I was going to invest in, and I've been putting it off. And I, I felt better right away that I said I was going to do it, and then I woke up this morning, and I'm thinking, <laughs> see, it's almost like when you say you're going to do it, you need to just do it then. Because then your mind will, will talk you out of it. Like, so that was like when I walked down that diving board, he was like, you're not walking back here. So go on do it since you're out there. So to help you grasp the full implication, he said, of what, I, what I'm saying, consider the following analogy. You know, follow that, think about that neighborhood kid who just went right up there and jumped off that diving board and dived high uh, without any hesitation whatsoever. Then see if you can recall the feelings in which you harbored in yourself as you watched him take the first risky leap into the water below. If you're like most of us, you probably lost just a little bit of your own self-respect at that time until finally, out of sheer embarrassment, you too mustered enough to courage to jump. Finally, see if you can re recollect or recollect how good you felt. I just said that. Once you actually made the plunge and proved to the world that you could do it. I just said that. After I had done that, I'm like, man, you know, I'm thinking, I passed. I'm good. Because, you know, just to be clear, in those days, most brothers, I, real, I realized that after I got there, were leaving the Coast Guard because they couldn't pass the swim test. That was in your that was in your first week you had to pass that test. And I still remember the the recruiter who lied to me when I went to take the you know, the oath. Because I asked him, I said, Well, do you have to really know how to really, really swim? Oh man, can you swim from here to that wall? And that wall was probably about maybe fifty feet from where I was. I was like, Yeah, I can do that. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Those recruiters used to tell long lies all the time when they said, 
So, no, no, it took more than that to pass the swim test. So I felt good after I jumped off that diving board and said, okay, it's over with. Everything has been accomplished. Now I can get out of here and I can continue with my boot camp here. Uh, Then I realized later on as we were going through the boot camp, shoot, some of the, the tests that you had to take, you know, I'm talking about tests in class, were more stressful than even the swim test because it, it was just some crazy stuff that you had to do uh, or the past, the stuff you had to know that, uh, you know, again, when I left there, I felt good that I had accomplished, you know, some of that stuff because I could have easily been sent home and kicked out. And you remember, if y'all remember, my purpose was to get that $5,000 for the summer so I can get a car and go back to school. Because I really didn't want to go to Coast Guard, but that was the only thing available. The Army said you had to wait six months. The Marines said you had to wait a year. The Air Force said you had to wait I don't know how long. And I walked in the Coast Guard. <laughs> and the brother almost looked to come think about it now. He was spooked. Like, I don't believe this black guy walking in this Coast Guard. I'm like, are y'all giving the five Gs for the summer, too? They're like, yep. Okay. I mean, where do I take the oath? <laughs> so I felt good after I had done those things. All right? So now, if you like most of us, you probably just, you know, you just felt a little yeah, self You, you, you kind of disrespected yourself until you did that. You kind of felt bad about yourself, and you finally did it, and then you started feeling good. So now he says, now you've taken your mind on this mental journey through the past, through your past. Bring it forward to the present time now. Let it become fully aware of the legions of men and women today who, like the young child looking lonely at the high diving board, would dearly love to quit their job, set out on an independent path, and do their own thing. Now, let me say this. I'm not reading this and telling any of y'all to get off this phone today and go quit your job. That's not what I'm saying. But BT, who I'm reading this from his book, BT is kind of, let me read a little more because he might not be saying exactly that, but he might be. He says, so like the young child looking lonely at the high diving board would dearly love to quit their job, set out on an independent path, and do your own thing. However, due to their overwhelming fear of failure, their unfortunate people their unfortunate people never quite work up enough courage to step out and actually take the plunge as a result such individuals miss out on many of the opportunities life affords us all and what is even sadder they never get a chance to plumb the depths of their own innate resources since they are afraid and might not make it afraid they might lose afraid they might fail simply choose to maintain the status quo and do nothing. You know, the status quo of living in the box, you know, go to school, get a good education, you know, go out and get a real good job, you know, work on a job for 30, 40, 50 years, save your money, penny pinch, and then, you know, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be good. We used to always say that when we were playing cards. You know, money on wood is good. Money in the pocket, start a fight. 
So we had to pull all our money out and put it on the table, on the wood table. They don't talk about we got it in our pocket because we're going to start a fight. So money on wood is good. Money in the pocket, start a fight. So <laughs> we got our money on the wood. The irony is that even if a person should citizenly attempt to avoid all risk, he or she will still inevitably end up failing from time to time. Even if you hide now, folks, even if you're tiptoeing through the tulips, even if you're trying to tiptoe your way to death, you're scared to death, you still will inevitably end up failing from time to time. But the point is, so what? What difference does it really make after all? Failing does not make us a failure. And the only time we do become a failure is when we decide to stop trying anymore. When we, when we quit the whole process. Therefore, even if we should falter along the way, we never really fail because what? We always retain the capacity to try one more, one more time, to go one more again, to keep going, to keep talking, to keep risking. You know, Flip Wilson, some of y'all know Flip, the comedian. Flip had a TV show. Um, Flip was the mayor back in the day. Uh, Flip was, I'm going to see, he would be Chris Rock. Uh, no, Flip would be his only, he would be the one-person version of In Living Color. Yeah, he would be like that. He would be the one guy instead of Damon and his brother and, you know, Jamie Foxx and all those guys. Flip was the, the dude. All right? I don't know why I had to explain it to y'all, because most of y'all on here older than me. So. <laughs> so, so, Flip, the famous comedian, is best known for his ability to make people laugh. But here's what he said in a somewhat more serious vein about his own experience with risk-taking process. He said, I fell down and got up. I fell down and got up for 16 years. I did practically nothing else but fall down and get up. And who else did that? Kevin Hart, for 19 years, what I hear? No, no, no. For 19 years, what did I hear? No, 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 no. For 19 years. See, during that 19 years, we didn't know who he was. Like right now, some people out here struggling, taking risks, doing stuff that we don't know who they are. But they're going for it every day. They're going for it every day. They're talking about it. They're doing it. They're going for it every day, every single day. For 19 years, they're going for it. And then you start figuring out or hearing about Kevin Hart and who he was and, and who he is. And, and we think, oh, this little guy just came out the blue. He's five feet four inches tall. He's kind of funny, and, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't really put time into it. He just, somebody, he met somebody, and they put him in the movies, and, and, uh, you know, who really, who really put him out is, is to think about it. Um, and nobody, I don't know if people really talk about this, is, is Dane Dash. You know, he, he's the one who kind of took a risk on Kevin Hart and I forgot what he was doing or something, and he put him out there. 
That's a preacher man guy. He loves some Dame Dash. Dame, yeah, Dame, you know he, you know he got a mouthpiece on him, so he can, you know, but he has helped a lot of people. But he, you know, he put kind of put Kevin Hart out there on the map. After 19 years of hearing no, 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 you know the typical person for nine days they hear no. No, 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 and they quit. For nine hours, they hear no, 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 and they quit. For nine months, they hear no, 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 and they quit. For one year and nine months, they hear no, 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 and they quit. For two years and nine months, they hear no, 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 and they quit. For three years and nine months, they hear, no, no, no. And then that's what they do. They just play the game like they're doing something, but they really not. Oh, yeah, I'm still I'm still doing my business. Oh, yeah, I'm still doing it. But they're really not. They're not doing the calls every day. They're not digging in the trenches. They're not, they're not going that serious 19 years like Kevin Hart went out here. No, no, no. They're not. They just kind of, you know, now let me see how many people I can trick and make them think that I'm, you know, you get on a call like this and tell your people after the call, yeah, I was on there, yeah. Go order you some product with your company. Oh, yeah, that was great. I've got my product here. Yes, love what I do. You're not doing anything, though. You're not taking any more risks. You're not, you're not doing anything, though. You're just going through the motion, and you... Some people think, well, I got him food. I got, yeah, you might have. But that doesn't help you. That's when you tiptoeing through the tulips now. Now you, you've really given up, and now you just want to fake the funk, as they say. Ba, 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 ba. You know, faking the funk. You don't, you don't want to, you're not doing what you should be doing, but you, Having people think that's what you do because you feel good about that, and you talk about it. Yeah, I'm doing this and doing that. But those those months and years of no, no, that ain't gonna work. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. Eventually, got you, you couldn't take it anymore. You let the naysayers and the and the crybabies and the you know all the ones who know they can't do anything. You let them slide in your life and stay in there and put that curse on you and put the you sat there and listen to them and and they didn't told you about all the stories of some people who didn't try this and tried that and now they tell you that you can't do it and you sitting there listening to them because remember now negativity sticks to you longer and harder than a positive thing i was talking about that last night to some people that if you you can hear one positive statement and you push it back but you can hear one negative statement and you'll believe it because we're so used to hearing that. That's why it takes, you know, like, you know, 10,000 positive statements almost to override a negative statement. You know, it'll take, you know, if somebody says to themselves, you know, looking at their life and, man, I'm, my life is awful. My life is, I don't have any money. I don't have immediately goes into the, the thought process, into the uh, the mind, into the, and it sticks like that. You're like, yeah, that's who I am. 
Now, you could turn around and do an affirmation that says, I'm wealthy, I'm healthy, the future's bright, and your mind kicks that back. Really? Look at your situation. No, you got to say, I'm wealthy, healthy, the future is bright, it's so bright I got to wear shades. You got to say that 10,000, 100,000, 50 million thousand times over and over and over to override that negativity of that one statement that you make with, I'm broke, I'm busted, I can't be trusted. Yeah, you know. Because not only do you think that, you're saying it, and then you're in an environment around people who are middle class, who are poor or humble, and their conversations is like right in line with that, you know, the man got his foot on my neck, and it's going to be hard for me to make it. And, you know, look, Jerry got bumped up to the job I was supposed to have. And, see, you know, I know what he did. He went in there and brown nose, and now he got the, you know. And so I've been here at this company for I don't know how long, and, and they ain't going to never promote me. And they, I see what they're doing back there. And, and then your friends right behind, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like Antonio Brown friends when he did that foolishness and walked out the field and y'all, some of y'all on there and some of y'all on his on his Instagram page, yeah, Antonio, yeah, get him, boy. That's how you do it. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't. You just, man, go get him. He got 300,000 likes in, in five minutes. And, yeah, man, you you know, you hear all that foolishness, and he throwing away money, just throwing it out the window. You, well, he got enough money, you know. He he don't have to have. That don't mean you sit there and just throw money away, chunk <laughs> out the window when you have enough. You okay? If you got enough, still make it and give it away to some people who don't have it. <laughs> don't don't act. A, don't be a clown in the clown show and act a clown because you got some money. Yeah, he took his shirt off, but I might do that today for real. I'm going up to Xfinity because they've been playing games with me for the last two days. They they had me that automated system on. The lady, the lady won't let me get past two buttons. You know, ah, you got da da da. And I hit that. I'm going up there, and I'm Antonio Brown them today. <laughs> I'm gonna be in the middle of the conversation and pull my shirt off. No, I don't think I'll do that because the ladies in there, they might, they see these abs and they might, it might be more than what, you know, I don't, I'll take that back. I don't know if I'm going to do that because when they see, they see these washboard abs and I, <laughs> I can't do that to them. I can't, <laughs> it wouldn't be fair, you know, so I got to think of something else instead of me just pulling my shirt off up in there. It wouldn't, you know. <sighs> The enticement, you know, how they start looking at me. and I, yeah, That wouldn't be fair. So I think of something else crazy Antonio Brown did, but I think of something. But I'm going to go in there and go off on these folks because they, 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 I know what it is. They don't have enough employees, nobody to work. But still, don't send me around the mulberry bush on no automated system like I'm stupid or something. You know, I guess they say you are stupid because you <laughs> – you know, we'd have had you two days in a row calling. I'm trying to hit buttons, skip, hitting zero, screaming in the phone. No, lady, I do not want to hear this. I know, no, no. I need an agent. I need a live body. <laughs> she comes back. Well, 
She tells me, she says, uh, uh, a live agent, this is an automated system, will not help you. And if she does, it's going to cost you more money. Okay, I'll pay the money. Then she come back with some other automated thing like, uh, hit zero and we'll tell you your balance. I don't want to know my balance. I need to talk to the agent about my passcode. It's been changed and I didn't change it. Yet, well, uh, yeah, uh, there's a, the system that's been down in your area. We're going to send you that. What's the thing they said? We're going to hit you, uh, your, we're going to hit your modem and we got to hit your modem first. Before you can talk to your age, I don't, I don't need my modem hit, lady. I don't, I, that's not what I'm calling about. Well, you must get your modem hit, and then if it doesn't go through, we'll have an agent call you. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to have an agent call me. You're not. <laughs> you're not, lady. Then she said, hit zero or something like that. And then they give you, they give you hope because they, they send you to a number just rings. You think somebody's going to pick up, and they never pick up. It just ring and ring and ring and ring. So I said, I'm going up there today. And I'm going I'm to Antonio Brown them. But then I just thought about it. I can't do that. It wouldn't be fair to the ladies. I pulled my shirt off in there. Just wouldn't be fair. And the guys would start hating, so mm. I think of something else, folks. So we wrap it up today. Just in case you wanted to know what book that was from. That was from You Were Born Rich by Mr. Bob Proctor. B P. That's the man. Really he is. That's the man. That's that dude. I'm telling you. He is the man, Bob Proctor. He takes tough stuff and breaks it down to simplicity so you can understand it. He is the Earl Nightingale of the 2000s. Matter of fact, he trained under Earl Nightingale. <laughs> so happy, so grateful now that <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Somebody's asking for my book. They say, I want to get your book because it's highlighted and everything. And I want to see what you what you highlighted. I want to read that book. But, that you know, this book is really hard to find. Well, if you find it, he has it at a point where, you know, he, you know, he that thing is marked up for real. You might find some used copies, but you're not going to really find a new one. I don't know the, the plan with that.